Let's go. I sell products, not advertising. This monkey business is in your blood, under your skin. You're getting out, you're just getting in, you're only getting started. People will think what I tell them to think. Oh, have I got your attention now? You have part of my attention, you have the minimum amount. This guy's got the right idea. Why don't we begin? Welcome back or welcome to another episode of Pod Sessions with me, your host, Mitch Fanning. For those listening for the first time in this bi-weekly podcast, the goal is to have meaningful conversations with interesting people covering a variety of topics, including business, marketing, and personal growth. In this session, I had the opportunity to speak with Magnus Unimir on the hot topic of AI and how it seems to be eating marketing and, frankly, the world. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Magnus, he's a digital marketing consultant, author, and speaker based out of Sweden who specializes in marketing automation and now artificial intelligence as it relates to marketing. In fact, Magnus recently came out with his latest book this year on the subject of AI called Data-Driven Marketing with Artificial Intelligence, which is a must-read for any marketer who would be interested in the subject, which really should be everyone. I really hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did having it. So without further ado, Let's get into it. Uh, we now have visual on target. So, Magnus, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're you're coming all the way from from Sweden, so I appreciate. Uh, you know, I think it's towards the end of your day, so I appreciate you taking the time. And and the thing is, I'm I'm very no excited uh, to talk to you today about this topic AI and, and specifically how you know it's affecting the marketing landscape. Obviously, technology is transforming marketing. Uh, it's it's obviously no secret. But you know, when you start to look around, it it seems like there's nothing more disruptive or or pervasive, if I could even use that word, than than AI. I mean, when you look at the martech landscape, and you know, a couple of years ago, there was maybe a couple hundred technologies in that landscape and and now we're 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 reaching 7 close to 7000 and i think you know recently scott brinker had to remove the whole category of predictive analytics because you know it would started to just be integrated into all of those technologies so it was kind of almost redundant so you know you're seeing that evidence of ai being very pervasive and 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 kind of being immersed in, in all of these technologies. And, and, you know, from it's exciting, uh, on one hand, but it's, to be honest, it's, it's a little overwhelming, especially when you're, you know, trying to keep up to speed. Um, but obviously, you know, in part, thanks to your book, you've definitely made it a bit easier for the marketer anyways, to kind of get, get a handle on this. So, so first, you know, thank you for writing it. Thank you. But I thought we would just start kind of with some of the basics, just to get an overview of the landscape. Uh, and then if people obviously wanted to get into the weeds, uh, they could go grab a, a copy of your book and, and read it themselves. So does that sound good? Absolutely. Okay. I'm uh, ready. Shoot. <laughs> okay. So I think I really, the first question I, I had when I started to, to read your book was, how did you first become interested in AI? So I've been working in the international software industry for over 25 years. So 
I know software uh, by heart and I I'm still very interested in software, even though I have been working in the marketing side of the software industry for the last 20 to 25 years. So uh, combining my two main interests, uh, which is internet marketing and software, uh, I think marketing automation is uh, is just that. And uh, the natural progression of traditional marketing automation is AI-driven or AI-based marketing automation. And so I try to combine my two interests and... Uh, and uh, it seems that AI-driven marketing tools uh, is just the perfect combination to to do that. So, wh- what was the what was kind of your the reasoning or or the catalyst that made you even write this book? I think it was uh, my interest. I wanted to learn much more about how AI can be used to improve marketing and uh, business growth. And um, as I started to read a lot about this, I found out that there weren't really any good books on the topic, even though this is a field which is kind of exploding right now. Everyone is talking about AI in business and uh, in particular AI AI for marketing is a very hot topic as well. But uh, there really weren't any good books on the topic. So I decided to to, uh, write it uh, on my own since I had already written four books uh, in the past. Well, you definitely did a did a good job and and you you know in the book you kind of make a a a claim that it's it's a a definitive guide to understanding uh, and using ai in marketing and i would say it's definitely uh up there for sure um how long did it take you to write that book because uh roughly nine months give or take a month for two depending on on what you count as uh, writing the book but uh, roughly nine months yeah again it was it was really really well done and and i i uh i'd recommend anybody who's going to be listening to this to definitely grab a copy and uh and take some time cuz i think i think you really did a a fabulous job there so i think the 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 next kind of best place i kind of want to get into is what your definition of of ai and and you know specifically machine learning is yeah i'm not sure if there is any true definition because ai means different things to different people quite honestly um but for me uh, ai or artificial intelligence is an umbrella term um that contains uh, different uh, subfields and uh, to start with uh, we can say that there aren't really any true artificial intelligence uh, we have something called weak or narrow AI currently, which is uh, software that uses statistical algorithms in clever ways to improve our efficiency. Um, and then we have something called strong or general AI, which is about AI software that can reason on their own, learn things that they haven't been taught in advance, uh, perhaps become aware of their own existence and perhaps take over the world. And uh, strong or general AI doesn't exist yet. So what we have is weak or narrow AI, which pretty much is uh, software solutions that are pre-developed or pre-trained to do one specific task only. Um, Having said that, uh, let's still call it AI. Um, AI is pretty much built up out of three main technologies, I would like to say. First one, uh, which is not about AI really, is uh, big data algorithms that can be used to detect almost um, invisible uh, trends and uh, correlations in old historical data. So for example, with big data algorithms, we can detect that 
uh, certain types of credit card transactions were historically um, proven to be uh, fraudulent. Uh, the next level up is something called predictive analytics, where we design algorithms that can detect such data patterns in future unknown data. And uh, with predictive analytics, we can, for example, do, predict whether or not a currently ongoing credit card transaction is likely fraudulent or not. Uh, the problem with uh, predictive analytics is that uh, once we have trained the algorithm, it doesn't change when the environment changes. So if, for example, uh, credit card transactions previously uh, came from Denmark most often, but now it comes more often from from uh, Germany, let's say, then a predictive algorithm uh, will not change to adapt to the uh, environmental uh, changes. And this is where uh, machine learning comes into the picture, and machine learning is uh, predictive analytics algorithms with a feedback loop that enables them to be retrained as, uh, as soon as new data becomes available. So machine learning is uh, more or less the same as predictive algorithms that can be retrained uh, frequently or continuously such that they are capable of adapting their behavior to new conditions or new situations uh, as defined by the new data that are fed into them. So if I could kind of unpack that, you know, the first the first bucket, you know, big data looks at all the existing data that is accessible, which obviously can be a lot and and almost almost looks back and looks for trends uh or or, or can set baselines or or can provide essentially analytics and predictive and uh analytics is kind of looking into the future using algorithms but like you said it's in a way it's static it doesn't it doesn't really change unless you 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 reprogram or you you kind of retrain it but with machine learning it's it's kind of taking that foundation of of predict uh predictive analytics but now it's almost in a way self-learning Exactly. And we can uh, rephrase all that into just saying that machine learning software or, or software solutions based on machine learning are uh, self-learning or self-optimizing such that when uh, they get uh, access to more data over time, we do a better job or a more accurate job of predicting the likely outcome of something uh, or the likely behavior of someone. Okay. So what what would you say is the most misunderstood thing about AI or machine learning then? Uh, I think that the most, the, the most important misconception here is that AI or machine learning is very difficult to use. Um, it may be difficult to develop software that uses AI, but to the average marketeer that want to use AI in their daily work, it will be very easy to use because they will just buy buy some cloud-based software solution um, that uses AI or machine learning under the bonnet. And the marketeer who uses that piece of marketing software will not need to understand at all how AI uh, is actually working. And a very simple example of that is uh, a marketing email um, solution. So, for example, we have a software solution that sends mass marketing emails for us. Um, typically today, we send perhaps 100,000 emails at the same time. But with uh, machine learning, uh, the email software 
software can learn at what specific time each individual recipient will likely um, receive the email to get the highest open rate. And if you uh, subscribe to such an email cloud uh, software solution or if you purchase such, such an email software solution, then you would probably just have a check checkbox in the graphical user interface to enable or disable um, uh, send time that is optimized to in uh, each uh, individual recipient. Yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned email. I think Return Path, it's a, uh, a company with, uh, I think it's an enterprise email solution. They, they recently launched uh, in New York, they had a, an event that kind of talked about their next gen of, of, of product rollouts. And, and it, it was kind of the core of it was AI. So I'll put that in the show notes. I don't know a lot about it, but, but you're definitely seeing it. Uh, you know, they've definitely done a major upgrade, uh, mm. to, to what, to what they're doing. So where else, I guess, would, would AI or machine learning primarily be, be used in, in marketing today? I think that we will find or we do find AI absolutely everywhere in marketing. And so far, I haven't really found any specific part of of marketing where AI aren't already being used or can't be used already. Um, so you will find it in uh, market intelligence and competitor, competitor intelligence, uh, price setting algorithms, ad strategies and uh, and ad campaign optimization, for example, um, you will be able to use it for uh, content marketing. So in content strategy, in content creation, in content curation, uh, there are even AI tools that help improve uh, public speeches for the benefit of uh, public speakers who can then learn how to improve our speeches uh, for the future. Um, in terms of CRM, there are uh, sales prospecting, prospecting tools that are AI-based. Um, there are uh, AI-based attribution modeling tools. Um, a very interesting uh, use of AI in internet marketing is conversion ratio optimization, or CRO. And this is about changing the landing page design or the checkout page of, of, uh, of the webshop uh, checkout funnel uh, such that uh, the maximum amount of people actually uh, submit the form and, uh, and uh, converge. And uh, there are already AI-based CRO tools that can auto-generate thousands of different design variations automatically. So they change the color of the button, the font, uh, the font size, the positioning, they swap out the imagery, change the headings, and so forth. And these kind of tools can use genetic algorithms to generate uh, one set of offspring uh, um, and, and therefore tries different design uh, IDs and the winner of, uh, of those are then used as the basis of a new generation of offspring where a new set of design changes are tested. And uh, these AI tools can auto-generate the different uh, designs automatically uh, and also perform multivariate testing on, on that. And um, if you have enough traffic, uh, perhaps thousands of different design permutations are tested automatically and uh, you, you are increasingly getting a higher and higher uh, conversion ratio automatically. Yeah, and and we, you know it's funny you said CRO because one of the things I think 
uh, machine learning or AI will be useful there is 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 almost reducing the time it takes to to uh, come uh, you know essentially determine whether uh, experiments were successful or not. And what I mean by that is, you know, in some cases you've got to let these, again, depending how much traffic you have, you have to let these experiments run for, you know, sometimes up to a month. Uh, But one of the things I think with AI is because it can learn and it can start to maybe pull from other data sets outside uh, and look at those other trends that are kind of comparable, it could reduce and create a kind of a make something or, or either spit something out that's statistical, um, you know, statistical, uh, the, the statistical analysis of, of that, uh, in, in maybe a week or two. And so you can actually make uh, decisions on how to optimize, say a landing page, for example, uh, a lot, a lot faster. Cause a lot of times, sometimes you just have to wait and it, it kind of slows things down. The other, mm. the other area that I'm actually very excited about is almost the simple things like the fact that it can, I think it's going to be able to help marketers really quickly put together customer personas uh, a lot faster. It's almost going to do the work for us in, in certain respects. Uh, at least that's my hope. <laughs> mm. And, uh, also, when it comes to reporting, you know, you're going to be able to, it's going to be able to actually be able to pull based not only from his, historicals, but also, you know, using machine learning and pre- predictive uh, analytics, it's going to allow us to forecast. And specifically what I'm referring to, you know, revenue uh, being uh, that's that's uh, contributed uh, from marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the attribution models. So I think it's going to allow us to just... Uh, make faster decisions, but it's going to do a lot of the kind of heavy lifting for us. So that's, that's kind of the area that I'm excited about. Yeah. And there are uh, already also a lot of uh, different solutions to, to purchase right now. For example, there are several uh, AI based tools that help with, um, um, add, uh, add, uh, purchase and, uh, add campaign, uh, return of uh, investment optimization. So this tool, um, are given a budget for your credit card. And then, um, it actually starts to purchase ads on different channels like Google AdWords or, or Facebook automatically. And it learns which kind of ads works with each audiences at what different times of the day. And it uh, changes the budget and moves the, the budget uh, across the different uh, alternatives automatically and learns over time. So you get a better return of investment for, for those ad dollars. Uh, but there are many, many more interesting uses as well. So uh, one of the more interesting ones, for example, might be uh, AI tools that can help adapt the complete customer journey down to the uh, level of each individual uh, visitor. So um, we, uh, we actually get help in generating the optimal customer journey for each individual person and dependent on how that specific person behaves. So if he comes to the website, if he reads the blog posts, we think if he opens the email or clicks the buttons in the emails, then the customer journey might be adapted and uh, regenerated or, or, or changed automatically by AI tools uh, for each individual person, even if you have hundreds of thousands of leads in your database. Yeah. And like I said, I, you know, as you're, as you're saying this to me, 
you know, just going back to that that question that I asked you, you know, what's the most misunderstood thing about, you know, AI right now? It, I think it's the fact that most people don't realize that they are using or they are being, uh, they are experiencing one form of AI or machine learning in one form or another uh, on a daily basis without perhaps even knowing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone who uses uh, Gmail, for example, uh, uh, can get the uh, auto recommended automatically recommended answers, uh, short uh, texts that pop up, and you can just click on the answer uh, to, to send uh, a response very quickly. And uh, in such case, uh, Gmail uses something called natural language processing and natural language understanding, NLP and NLU, to understand the, the intent of the incoming uh, email text. And uh, Gmail and similar solutions then out to generate a short response that you can send off uh, just by a mouse click. Yeah, and and even kind of to take it to a analog uh, example, the fact that we have cell phone or cell phones. Uh, I'm dating myself here. Smartphones, in a way, that's that's an extension of us that's that's in a way making us better because one one could argue that even google and, and not what google is becoming but just the, the the search function that we can actually access uh lots of information and at the at the kind of a, the tip of our fingers it's almost like an an augmentation of ourselves and in a way it's it's kind of in a way we're we're using technology or, or machine learning or, or a form of AI, maybe weak AI to, to better, to help us make better decisions, whether that's going out, you know, where, where to go to eat uh, or anything. So that's, that's the, the thing that I find is almost the most misunderstood thing is the fact that, you know, we're, we're really merging with technology already and people kind of don't don't realize it. They think it's kind of something that's happening in the future. Yeah, it's here right now, I would like to say. And um, uh, we can see now a quite strong shift towards uh, voice or, or audio interfaces. We have uh, Siri on the iPhone and we have um, uh, Amazon Alexa and, uh, and uh, the Google uh, and, and Apple smartphones. And uh, they use the... Um, the AI uh, assistants to uh, to handle common work tasks for us. So we can search for information by voice commands. We can book perhaps uh, a haircut or, or book a restaurant uh, uh, by voice commands. And um, we will probably uh, reorder coffee beans or, or milk or whatever using uh, just voice commands. And uh, I think that we uh, shift towards voice interfaces, which are obviously AI-driven, um, will have some serious consequences to the marketing industry. Um, if the majority of Internet services are accessed through voice, then SEO, for example, will have little meaning. Um, also, I think that people will generate engagement um, and emotions towards their um, voice assistant uh, and the voice assistant will pick what coffee beans you will buy which are the cheapest this week or which kind of detergent to buy um, for your uh, for your uh, laundry machine and uh, in such a world then the brand have a lot less meaning and a lot less value because uh, you the consumer will actually uh, 
create uh, engagements with the um, AI assistant rather than with the brands. And the AI assistant will decide what to buy and then how should marketeers market their products to an AI robot? Uh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, and you know, I look at it like the AI is really the brain and voice is obviously the extension of that, which is, you know, again you know the the voice like it, like it is our voice and and just to kind of add to what you said you know i noticed so number 1 you know whoever's selling uh whoever's selling uh toothpaste better be the one that amazon picks in my my in my best guess it was it's probably going to be a private label that amazon creates <laughs> so that's just another way. Yeah, sort of a one uh, brand that they uh, make the most money out of somehow. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is you have to start thinking about what your brand actually sounds like, mm. which is a completely different way of, actually, yeah. way, way of thinking about it. What is your brand? Because usually brand, what is your brand? How does it look and feel? What's What's mm. what, what's the kind of way you want people to feel when they look at when they see your brand? Now it's about hearing your brand, which, like I mm. said, it's it's a. Uh, but again, it, that's you can almost see how things are starting to kind of merge together and 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 go into these different. So, it, like you said, like I said in the beginning, it be, almost becomes overwhelming. Yeah, and I think it's actually getting more interesting, uh, even further. Currently, AI are used to harvest data from how people behave. So we have AI insights that comes from data on how leads and customers behave, basically. Uh, and that is roughly 10 billion people on the planet so far. <clears throat> Quite soon, in about seven years' time, there will be uh, roughly 1 trillion internet-connected devices, uh, Internet of Things devices or IoT devices. And these 1 trillion machines or devices will generate far more data than all the 10 billion people on, on the planet. And I think that um, in just a couple of years, we will start to use AI to harvest business insights from data which is generated by the internet-connected machines. So just to give two examples, one from the B2C space and one from the B2B space. <clears throat> Assuming that you sell windmill farms, um, your windmill is actually connected to the internet and it measures the vibration and heat patterns. And using something called predictive, predictive maintenance, we can detect that the windmill will likely break down in two, three, two or three weeks into the future. And so we can... Uh, then connect that to the marketing automation system that can then start to send uh, email offers to the owner of the windmill and, and uh, promote uh, service visits or spare parts even before the machine has actually broken down. Um, and secondly, in the B2C space, we could, for example, um, take the um, bathroom scales as an example. Uh, many people now, uh, me included, have in internet-connected bathroom scales. And using AI, we can then analyze my weight change pattern and correlate that to the weight change pattern of other people who gained weight six weeks down the road and therefore conclude that I will likely gain weight in six weeks' time. And then marketing automation logic could then offer me, uh, for example, healthier food recipes or, or um, uh, a different training uh, or exercise uh, plan, for example. So I think that uh, insights from machines or machine-generated data will much more become uh, come, uh, the fuel for marketing insights that 
trigger marketing automation logic into the future. Uh, and actually, we have one more interesting question related to that. When most machines are internet connected, take, for example, the coffee machine or the uh, washing machine, these machines will detect when it is time to order or reorder your coffee beans or detergent. Um, and these machines will actually make autonomous purchases on their own. So, for example, by calling home to the uh, manufacturer of a machine and order more coffee beans or detergent or contacting the Amazon web shop uh, with the mentor machine uh, uh, interface and automatically order new coffee beans or detergent from the, from the web shop. And then another interesting question then for marketeers becomes, how do we market our coffee beans or detergent to a machine that is pre-programmed to order the coffee beans or the detergent from another vendor? So, I, I mean, what you're, what you're really, you know, talking about kind of leads me to, you know, the big question, you know, is AI going to be, you know, the end of us <laughs> or at least take a lot of people's jobs or is it going to lead us to the next level of human evolution? What's your take on that? I think the answer is yes, <laughs> meaning that it will take some jobs, uh, but not all jobs. It will for sure change the work tasks of marketeers. Um, we will, for example, uh, not work so much with data analysis and decision making from data and the repetitive work tasks of any type will be automated with AI. <clears throat> but that leaves us uh, with more time to do the creative and strategic work, uh, arguably, which is the work that most marketers find more more interesting. Um, and I think that we can see that uh, AI will largely augment and help marketers, much like industrial robots and machinery helped production uh, staff in the factories during the last few decades. So w then what's how what's your response then to say someone like Elon Musk who you know you know obviously i think he sees it both ways but his big concern is if if we don't democratize ai uh you know ultimately this could lead to autonomous weapon systems uh and things of that nature uh so you know he he actually there's an example and i don't know did you see did you see the documentary, Do You Trust Your Computer? I think it came out in August 2018. Mm, I haven't seen uh, that particular uh, documentary, but I've been following Elon Musk for a while. I'll put um, it in the show notes. It's I would definitely definitely recommend it. I mean, I think someone like you probably, but it, again, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's well done. But it kind of makes the analogy that, you know, once, once AI... Uh, and again, you know, I know we're talking weak versus strong, but there's, there's a couple things that, that I'll kind of, uh, connect here. Uh, one, you know, the idea that, that Google's, you know, uh, you know, with their deep mind project building potentially the largest neural net computer, uh, which will really essentially become a, a digital super intelligence. Uh, and, and a lot of people think that you know, it's, they don't even realize what they're building and this, this could, you know, come to fruition by 2025. Uh, 
and and the fact that you've got these weapon systems like drones that essentially if if they actually were connected you know very quickly could become autonomous he almost relates it to if you give ai a, uh, a task it, it doesn't really it, it's going to uh it's going to execute on that task and it's kind of like when we're building say a road uh, mm. we you know if there's an anthill in the way it's not like we we hate the ants, but that anthill is is gonna go away, and it, he kind of uses that analogy, which I I think, you know, is a good one. But it, so I guess that's that's kind of the the idea. It's it's in one way, you know. Ultimately, we we've let uh, you know we've opened up a can of worms, but like you had said, I see it also as if if there's a way that we could in fact, control it and merge with it and allow it to augment us to extend our capabilities, then obviously that's that's the best outcome. Hmm. I think the worry is, is justified. And I think that le- legislators who doesn't understand technology usually um, are way behind and should uh, worry a little bit more about uh, the consequences of AI, not necessarily the uh, the risk of having autonomous weapons killing us, uh, but uh, also uh, what to do with the workforce if AI takes a lot of jobs. What about the uh, tax payments? Will there be revenue for the government uh, in twenty years' time, and so on? So I think uh, it, it is justified to start to, to ask these kind of bolder questions. Uh, however. Uh, even on a smaller scale, AI can, in fact, create some problems. Um, just to give a couple of examples, uh, in 2016, uh, Microsoft uh, launched a uh, Twitter chat robot that learned uh, from the conversations people had with it. And quite quickly, a lot of racists uh, started to have very racist discussions with the uh, chatbot. And um, after only a few hours, uh, the chatbot became very racist uh, itself and started to shout Nazi uh, opinions uh, out on Twitter, and uh, after only 16 hours, Microsoft had to shut it down. Um, a second example is um, yeah, that was Tar- sorry. Before you you move yeah. on, that was that was I'll put it in the show notes. That was t- t- I was Thai, uh, T-A, Thai yeah. 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 Sorry. Uh, another example is uh, the uh, U.S. retail chain Target that apparently used predictive analytics to determine uh, which women were. Uh, pregnant by analyzing their shopping behaviors. And uh, as it uh, apparently happened, they were very successful in uh, determining who was in fact uh, pregnant from based, for, based on their uh, shopping, uh, uh, shopping patterns. And they uh, sent uh, marketing literature home to a teenage girl um, related to, uh, to her being pregnant. And the father uh, got to see that and became very upset. Um, and uh, he later found out that she was, in fact, uh, pregnant. And uh, in such case, we can see that uh, two accurate predictions can actually, if not destroy, at least uh, make people's life difficult uh, by mistake, uh, because the father of a teenage girl wasn't aware that the daughter was, in fact, uh, pregnant, and the daughter likely wouldn't like Target to inform him <laughs> about that fact. Yeah, so, well, um, yeah and, and, you know, you're also seeing it, with you know with again facebook using some form of ai machine learning to uh to maximize engagement but when you throw in algorithms 
that in- inject fake news uh, mm. in a way to influence perhaps elections, perhaps uh, uh, whole policies that could affect mm. a government. Mm. And people are spending at least an hour plus, and that's where they're getting their news. That's when you can start to see it, mm. uh, you know, to have have negative uh impl- Im- uh you know negative uh, effects uh, in terms mm. of what what it could do mm. but i like i said i personally like to be an optimist uh and it's all, also as far as the negative negative aspects go uh there's really not much um it's almost not worth worrying about to a certain degree i think obviously there needs to be regulation. It's a billion dollar industry, uh, plus that has little regulation. Uh, hopefully there are people, there are some smart people working on it, but I really like the idea that it can, it can help us because really when it comes to us as humans, it's really a bandwidth issue, right? We, we, you know, the stuff we see, we can take in, but our output is really limited to our, our, our 10, you know, fingers, right? Yes. I think we will see that uh, AI can make us much more productive and it can relieve us from a boring, repetitive tasks such as analyzing data and uh, basing decisions from that data. Um, and uh, AI will largely help us become less spammy and uh, more relevant by personalizing the outreach and the message such that the right person gets the right message at the right time in the right channel and overall uh, people will not have to accept so much spammy and uh, interruptive uh, marketing messages anymore, I think. Now, do you think AI will ever really become, you know, conscious or self-aware? I think that is very far away. So in your estimates, what would you say if, you had, a, if you had to put it out there? Yeah, there is a... Um, quite well-known futurist called Ray Kurzweil. He wrote a very interesting book, uh, which is called The Singularity is Near. Um, And he predicts, uh, if I remember correct, that uh, in 2030 or 2035, AI will be as intelligent as the smartest human on the planet. And by 2045 or by 2050, uh, an AI robot will be as smart as all the uh, human beings on the planet combined. Uh, whether, or not, whether or not that will happen, uh, I don't know. But uh, perhaps AI doesn't need to become very smart. It is enough to harvest huge amounts of data because you can form a lot of very advanced decisions and predictions just based on raw data, even if you don't really have self-awareness and understand what the decisions are. So um, I think that we will see that AI will appear to be very intelligent quite soon. Whether or not they actually are intelligent is a different matter, but perhaps it doesn't really um, matter so much uh, for practical purposes because to most people uh, in just a few years' time, we will have enough data. Uh, AI algorithms will appear very, uh, very, very intelligent. So yeah, if they aren't. No, absolutely. And so to bring that back kind of to the short term and on more of a, a practical level, what are some of the kind of first steps? Uh, how would someone go about uh, creating a proactive strategy and plan for, for using AI, uh, Is whether they're a marketer or uh, a business leader? 
kind of what are, and maybe what are some of the tools that you are you're using so I, I think that the first thing would be to familiarize yourself with what can be done with ai and what ready-made tools that are on the market that you can just buy with your credit card uh, most companies will not start an IT development project and uh, hire their own mathematicians and, and develop their own AI algorithms, but most companies will just go out on the market and buy some ready-made software tools that uses AI. And, and uh, to get that uh, overview is, I think, the first step. And then different companies can focus in on different parts of the market uh, industry or the software tools industry and pick the cherries that uh, is, is the best fit for them. Yeah, and I, I definitely recommend, uh, again, starting with your book uh, to, to at least uh, as a primer, because I, I, like I said, I, I think it was, uh, it was really well done. Mm, now, are there any tools that you're using uh, personally that you find uh, interesting? Um, I've been using predictive lead scoring for, for a couple of years, and, um, and lead scoring is a method to guesstimate how – uh, close someone is to make a purchase basically and traditionally that has been um, a functionality in marketing automation system whereby you have to design your own algorithm for your own company where you give different points for different activities so if a lead for example uh, visit a web uh, page that is gives plus one if they visit the uh, pricing page uh, that is a plus five because that is a stronger sales signal uh, if someone opens an email or downloads a PDF, that is a plus one or a plus three, for example. And then uh, in the end, you can sum, um, summarize that and see the, uh, the uh, total score for, for a particular lead. Uh, but with uh, predictive lead scoring, we use AI technologies to uh, create an assessment of how close someone is to buy automatically. And the predictive lead scoring algorithm works in the way that it takes the behavior the online digital behavior of a particular lead, and it compares that to the behavior of paying customers before they became paying customers. So essentially, we take customers, uh, actual customers, and see how they behaved before they became customers. And then, then we compare the behavior of, of new leads to see which are most similar. And out of that, you get a predictive lead score, usually in the range of 0 to 100%. That is a guesstimate on how close someone is, is to purchase. And then you can use that in all sorts of interesting ways. Uh, one way is to prioritize the work of the sales uh, guys. Um, another way is to, to initiate automatic uh, email campaigns, for example, at different lead scores. So whoever uh, reaches a 25% lead score, uh, we can send a sequence of soft sales messages Whenever someone reaches a 50% uh, lead score because they, they have done more things on the website, then we send them a harder sales message. And if someone reaches a 75% lead score, then the marketing automation system can create a to-do task in the calendar of the CRM system and actually have a uh, sales guy uh, make a physical or, or, or um, a real sales call. Uh, rather than just automate email campaigns. So, and so uh, predictive lead scoring is, is quite interesting, particularly, I think, in the B2B space where uh, most companies use CRM systems. Now, I'm going to ask maybe a, a, um, a dumb question, but is predictive, because I've, I've used uh, you know, marketing automation systems in the past, and I'm familiar with lead scoring, uh, mm -hmm. that you had mentioned, uh, kind of the, the dumb or the weak 
lead scoring is predictive lead scoring is it a it, has it been added to some of the uh, MAs or is it a third party almost add add on that uh, you have both. To- uh, the high end marketing automation systems like HubSpot or Marketo have have it. Uh, as, as a feature in their uh, in their products, but there are also independent third-party tools that only do predictive lead scoring, and these tend to be even more high-end. Uh, so, for example, there's a company called Infer, and I believe they are actually watching 4,000 different behavioral parameters uh, and base their lead score out of of that. So they are both integrated in standard marketing automation systems that are also available as third-party solutions. And those tend to be even even more advanced high-end. So I'm going to ask a granular question or more of a follow-up granular question to that. Is it is it in the enterprise package packages of, of certain MAs or? So for HubSpot, it's in the enterprise uh, version that's, and that's what uh, I thought. Not, not, not in the pro version, yes. Yeah, that's what I, I assumed. Okay, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So, I think you know. I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I guess the j- just a couple kind of f- final questions. What what have you changed your mind about lately? Uh, when it you know when it comes to AI. I think I have come to a couple of conclusions uh, after writing the book. Uh, one is that. AI will be absolutely everywhere and we can't escape it. If you try, then you will die. Uh, Every marketer and every company will use AI in their marketing uh, in one shape or another, Uh, but they may not even be aware of it because AI will largely be integrated under the bonnet of the uh, software solutions we already use. So marketers don't need to worry too much about the fact that they are no, not a data scientist or, or a Python programmer, for example. Uh, so that is one. Um, the second thing is that um, I believe um, natural language processing or natural language understanding is a much more important subfield of AI than I originally intend, uh, understood. So we can use AI to understand written text uh, in many ways, for example, for, for market intelligence or competitor intelligence or social media analytics or chatbots and, and uh, even auto generation of email copy. So text processing and text understanding and text generation is uh, a very interesting part of AI that I think have a very, very um, um, high relevancy uh, in marketing. So just just to kind of stay with this for just one second, you you kind of mentioned, you know, the idea of, of chatbots, et cetera. So are you referring to, say, and I'll just kind of throw in an example, are you referring to the, the almost chat uh, uh, features or functionalities that we can add to, say, a website? that kind of allows someone to get responses uh, depending on if they want to talk to somebody in real time. And yeah, you know, are you referring say like, I know, I think like one example is uh, live chat or, or drift. Are you referring to say that as just one example? 
it's, it's one example, and, and some of these chatbots are, are quite AI-heavy, such as the Microsoft Tay robot uh, that became Narcissist uh, because it actually learned the lingo uh, of people com- uh, conversa- having conversation with it. But, but many chatbots are quite simple and are more rules-based and, and rules-driven uh, currently. Uh, but there are other um, types of, uh, let's say, conversational bots then that uh, have uh, conversations over email. Uh, and in this case, uh, AI robots actually understand what the text in incoming email is about and can auto-generate uh, new text and send that back as a answer to incoming email. And then there can be uh, correspondence forwards and backwards with the AI robot understanding what the next uh, email is about and auto-generating a relevant answer and, and uh, it goes on. So there are uh, certain chatbots that are using um, a little bit of AI or almost no AI, but there are also uh, conversational bots that are uh, quite AI heavy. Okay, great. So uh, the other question was, Magnus, do you trust your computer? (laughs) In what sense? (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, it's more of a tongue-in-cheek. It's, it's, do you, do you feel it was more of a, a f- kind of a a follow up to do you think it's going to we're, we're going to uh <laughs> the ai is going to lead to the end of us or it's going to be it's going to lead to us becoming better it was it was kind of just more of a <laughs> uh, i i don't think it will be the end of humanity um but i think the re- risks are real and i think legislators should uh, educate themselves a little bit um, and as always, when there are peaceful technologies being invented, there are people or governments that will use it for evil. Um, and I think a uh, dictator or a bad government today will be uh, much, much more powerful in their capabilities to be evil than 20 or 50 or 75 years ago. So, uh, yeah. There are Absolutely. pros and cons, but uh, I think we should be, uh, you know, have a healthy dose of uh, not skepticism, but a healthy dose of uh, reality check. But like you said, uh, we're, you know, we're not, we're definitely not going backwards. So it's, it's uh, full steam ahead. So where can people find out more about what you're up to then? So my website and my blog on uh, marketing with AI is on yonemeyer.com and the blog uh, URL is yonemeyer.com forward slash blog. And uh, my books are listed uh, as well on my, my website. Okay, and I'll I'll put a both uh, as links in my show notes. Mm. So, Magnus, this uh, this was so much fun. Thank you again for for doing this. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's all. Thank you for inviting me. Well, that's it for this session. For those of you who made it this far, thank you so much quick reminder, the show notes will be available on my website at mitchellfanning.com. And at this stage of the game, I really only have two small requests. Number one, I'd really love to get your feedback. And you can do that by either going to iTunes and leaving a review or contacting me via email or social. Just use the hashtag MitchCast. Again, all of this can be found on my website. Because like I said before, it's really going to be your feedback that's going to give me the oxygen to keep me going in the early stages and to improve the show. Because ultimately, I want this to be something that you'll also get value from. 
Last but not least, if you know somebody who might be interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out and let me know as well. That's it. That's all. Until next time, thank you so much.